Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The USA and Mexico have generated, again, a strong deal. It's a free trade deal. It's a pro-growth deal. As an example, Canada should study how we put this together. All right. Well, there you go. Larry Kudlow, again, White House economic advisor, saying Canada needs to pay attention. I don't know about you, but I've got my hands folded on the desk and I'm ready to learn. So let's see uh, if there's any takeaway from that deal that we can uh, maybe put into play for our own advantage come, well, whatever could be imminent as early as Friday. Jerry Diaz is national president of Unifor, and he joins me on the Oakley Show this afternoon. Jerry, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? Likewise. So, uh, I mean, based on this agreement in principle, that's what it is right now. Uh, what is our takeaway or lesson to be learned from this deal? Well, first of all, the, the big issue had to deal with the Mexican wages, and I think that was actually attacked, especially as it relates to the auto industry. There's a lot of you know labor standards, a whole host of other issues that have to be dealt with. But on that piece of it, I'm, I'm quite comfortable. But there's some other pieces that are will be quite uncomfortable for the Canadian team to absorb uh, the whole issue of, you know, intellectual property, uh, some of the things that were agreed to on labor standards, uh, the whole issue with the sunset clause, the, the whole issue is what they call the diminished levels. It has to do about duty-free. The retail industry is going to have some problems. So it's, uh, there are some wins, but there are some problems. All right, when you talk about intellectual property, for example, uh, they say with generic drugs, uh, they want more protection for patented drugs, uh, mostly out of the U.S. of A. And so uh, that's something that would we'd have to agree to, I guess, uh, extending protection for patented drugs. What is it, 25 years now and then it lapses and you can make generics? Yeah, um, they've added they've added a few more years on the biological drugs and but anyway, the bottom line is going to raise uh, raise the prices here in Canada, and it is a huge problem, especially when we're in a nation that's really talking about a national pharmacare program. What does that mean? So there's there's a lot of complications uh, with the fact that we weren't involved with it, but ultimately uh, there's a lot of key issues that we have to stand pretty strong on, and we were standing strong on, and that's why the U.S. really uh, did the side deal with Mexico, but there's a lot of credit going to Trump because of the of the auto wins, and I will argue about you know forty to forty five percent of a, a car having to be built with wages sixteen dollars plus an hour. That's a huge win. Uh, the whole issue of rules of origin, which is a content of a car, has to be at seventy five percent built in North America so that it would be tariff free. Those are huge wins. Those are opportunity to bring job back to the North American market. It's an opportunity, frankly, to stop the bleeding in Canada and the United States with our jobs making a mass exodus to Mexico. So there's some huge wins, but there's some huge problems, no question about it. Again, with Jerry Diaz, National President of Unifor, on the $16 an hour, that pretty much guarantees that this is going to be unionized labor in Mexico, which may be a deterrent to just uh, everything being siphoned down to the lowest denominator there when it comes to the labor component. So that's a win for the union, isn't it? Well, no, because they have an incredibly corrupt system in Mexico. You've got, we call them yellow unions. 
they're not really unions. They're 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 organizations that are sponsored by the governments but controlled by the corporations. Let me give you an example. They're called the CTM, which is ninety percent of the unionized workers in Mexico. So that tells you that ninety percent that are theoretically covered by protection agreements. It's it, they're not real unions. An example of this would be the BMW plant that opens in two thousand and nineteen. They've already signed a deal. So there hasn't been one employee hired. There'll be no voting on it. Uh, but the employers are going to make a dollar ten an hour. I would expect it with the new deal with the United States, that's going to change now because, like I said, 40 to 45% of the content of a vehicle has to be with wages at 16 plus an hour. So uh, if you take a look at what they signed on the dotted line with the, with the, with the labor deal uh, as it relates to, you know, free collective bargaining it, it just doesn't seem very clear but what does seem to be prevalent is that it looks like the united states took care of the right to work states um it looks like mexico may have entrenched their system it's hard to tell i'll know more i'm on my way to washington tomorrow so i'll be able to look on the dotted line a little more carefully tomorrow. all right i wondered if it was going to level the playing field uh, but the 75 percent parts requirement uh, that prevents dumping doesn't it yeah, uh, what it does is it really starts to, uh, to create a shift of work from Europe and Asia back to the North American market. If you look at if you look at a vehicle, uh, uh, look, a car is a computer on four wheels. A lot of that technology comes from Asia. A lot of it comes from Europe. So a lot of those companies are going to have to start to make business investments in North America, which is a positive thing. So I, I, that piece is a huge victory. The sixteen plus dollars an hour, I will argue is a huge victory. One of two things have to happen, John. Either they're going to start to pay Mexican auto workers what they're worth, or at least partially what they're worth, or they're going to have to start to ship more parts from Canada and the United States to Mexico. Because if you look at the structure of Mexico today, they will assemble the car. They will build the engines. They'll build the transmissions, the frames, you know, the, you know, the, all of the components. And they'll assemble it. But with a 40 to 45% content now, uh, there's going to be some major changes. So I guess uh, on those two wins, as you call them, is this going to help or hurt Canada? Oh, it's going to help Canada significantly because I really do see it as finally the ending of the, of, of the incredible challenges we've had. Uh, we've lost four auto plants here in Canada. They've closed 10 in the United States. They've opened eight in Mexico. Um, they're opening two more in Mexico. Why? Because of the, you know, a Mexican auto worker makes 2 to $4 an hour. They can never afford to buy the car that they build. So I see this as really stopping the straight migration. Is it perfect? The answer is no. But is it a quantum leap from where we're at? The answer is yes. So I think when you take into account transportation costs, the market, market access, I really think the, these are positive moves. But like I said, there's a there's going to be some major challenges and, and major obstacles before there's any sort of a, a formal deal announced. Right. And of course, uh, the real test will be whether this passes Congress. You've got the midterms coming up of course. Uh, and all of this. I mean, these are uh, this is why it's just an agreement in principle. I want to stress that. But it was done bilaterally. What do you make of Trump's tactic to uh, go it alone with Mexico on this? And do you think Mexican uh, the Mexicans stabbed us in the back? I mean, Justin Trudeau said, no, no, we're going to do this three ways. We're not going to uh, ascribe to any bilateral deal with the U.S. alone because uh, it looked like Mexico was the outlier initially anyway. So what do you make of that tactic? Well, first of all, Mexico was the problem in the first place as it relates to, just let me stick with the auto industry for a moment, and then we can shift off that. 
because we knew that the work was migrating to Mexico because of uh, cheap wages. That issue got dealt with. So in that regard, you will find that what Mexico and the United States really agreed on were quasi the Canadian proposals. So we're not going to be too far off in coming to an agreement on those specific areas. But look, there's going to be differences in each of the three countries, clearly. There's going to be different wants, different needs, different economies, uh, different uh, you know political environments, different strengths as nations. So there's going to be different rules between Canada, the United States, and Mexico. It's not a situation where one set of rules fixes all. So I can see that there's going to be some parts of the agreement, for example, it will be a tri- it'll be a three-way deal as it relates to auto. Because if you look at Canada, the United States, and Mexico, the auto parts industry especially is so intertwined that it can't work any other way. And there is no way that either nation is going to completely destroy a business model. Um, too many corporations have invested too many billions of dollars. So things will change over time. Like uh, an auto, for example, uh, you know, vehicle production, a business model is usually a six-year cycle. So I can see within the six-year cycle or when it's coming to an end that you will start to see some strategic decisions which will lead investment to Canada and the United States from Mexico because of the challenges. But I see that there will be some, you know, a straight agreements between Canada and the United States which will just deal with specifics between our two nations. So I'm not all that wrapped up in it, to be perfectly candid with you, but I do see that there'll be once again a NAFTA, but I think it might be structured a little differently than it was historically. Now, there's no urgency to get this thing done by Friday, or is there? I mean, is that a bogus drop-dead date? No, I think it's a bit of a bogus drop-dead date. I think you've got Trump. He spews a lot of rhetoric, and he likes to push people around, but I'm not convinced that people are, are actually afraid. Um, a lot of people are giving a lot of kudos uh, for the deal that was signed with Mexico, but I'll argue that the biggest change in what transpired was the uh, was the election of Obrador as the uh, president of Mexico. Here's a guy that ran on a platform that Mexican workers really got screwed. They got the jobs, but they didn't get the wages. And he talked about NAFTA being a mess, and he talked about how Mexican citizens all got left behind. So the fact that he showed up in the uh, in the talks with the United States, it was a complete change from the from the old administration. I mean, Pina Nieto, the former president, had no intention of of frankly taking Mexican workers out of out of, uh, of stopping them from being exploited. Over fifty percent of Mexican workers live in poverty, so he was, in my opinion, right in the pockets of the corporations. So it's a different mindset in Mexico today, um, and there will be some major changes in in, in and how we implement the trade deal. So I think that was the biggest change, and that's why we had always said right from the beginning, look, there's no rush to renew NAFTA. Don't rush under the current administration. We are likely to end up with a progressive left candidate as the president of Mexico. So just wait. It should be easier to bargain with somebody that actually has taken into account the citizens of Mexico as opposed to the corporate profits. Well, he takes office December 1, so uh, this is why I guess the Friday 90-day timeline leading up to that uh, becomes instrumental, but we can maybe blow by that, as you say. Jerry, I really appreciate your insights as always. Thanks for your time. Are you kidding? Pleasure is always mine. Have a great day. All right, we'll talk soon. Jerry Diaz again is the national president of Unifor. And Krista Freeland, she's down there right now. Uh, She came home from somewhere in Europe, and uh, she's going to be 
doing her best to cobble something together in our favor. Although there is a report, and I was citing that off the top of the show, Global News saying that uh, she pissed off the Trump administration back in June with a speech she gave right there in Washington, no less, and uh, that aggravated them. Question is whether she's an asset or a liability in all of this. We'll discuss next and we'll take some of your calls too. Here on the Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.